0: Hello and welcome everyone, I'm Robert Baharian, and this is Masters in Investing. They say life never stops teaching, and we never stop learning. This show is my exploration with investors to both understand and unpack what is going on in markets right now, and what this means for business and for investors. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave us an awesome review. Let's get into it. My guest today is Ross Palazizi. Managing Director of Metricon Homes, Australia's largest home builder. Ross and I talk about the headlines that you and I are reading in the papers today and have been reading over the course of the last 12 months. And we contrast that to what is actually going on from the people that are building the product, the people with the feet on the ground, dirt under the fingernails, what is happening in real life and identifying the gap between what you and I are reading and what is happening on the ground. We talk about the driving factors of property today from a pre- and post-COVID world. We talk about the risks that are emerging because of that. And we also talk about the long-term prospects and outlook for property as an asset class, both for owner-occupiers and for investors as well. Ross provides some fantastic insights in our conversation today. So listen in, and I hope you enjoy it.
1: Robert Baharian is the founder and CEO of Baharian Wealth Management, AFSL 526798. The information contained in this podcast may include general advice and does not consider your particular circumstances. You should seek advice from a registered
0: financial advisor who can consider if the general advice is right for you. Ross Palazzisi, welcome to Masters in Investing and thanks for joining me today. My pleasure, Robert. Excellent. Ross, I want to get straight into it. 12 months ago, uh, the property market was quite hot. COVID hit, the pandemic hit, and what we saw from there was basically the property market coming to a standstill and a halt where people just didn't know what was going on. And so what that meant was they took no action. And there were so many experts at the time predicting what was going to happen the property market, the, the collapse in prices, unemployment skyrocketing, uh, so on and so forth. Fast forward 12 months from then, the market is nowhere where people had predicted. The government obviously stepped in really quickly with measures that we haven't seen before. Mm. And rightly or wrongly, whatever the government did, it, we are where we are. And it appears to have worked quite well. What's your take Ross being in the game that you're in and the line of business that you're in what's your take on the forces if you like that are that are pushing this market to where it is because we're seeing huge gains in prices you know I mentioned to you before uh, I was up in Byron Bay last week for a week and prices are going absolutely berserk there yeah. um, huge double digit gains in a, in a matter of months can we talk about what you're seeing and what your point of view is On what's driving the market at the moment?
1: Yeah well I think uh, COVID in actual fact has been the difference. It's been because I I think what's actually happened is that uh, first of all shut everything down and then let everything go. But in terms of that though you know the big issues have been cheap money, lots of it. Uh, The bank's Know, they loosened up their lending restrictions and they're still doing it, by the way, which is amazing because I would have thought it's a bit hot at mm. the moment. So, yeah, you know, that's been a major uh, a major impact. But the other one, uh, which particularly in our industry, which is obviously houses or new homes or even houses full stop, uh, has really been this notion of working from home mm. because what that's actually done is that it's pushing people from out of apartments or even uh, higher density areas into regional Australia in particular but also just into you know if you're going to work from home you've got to have a bit of space. You want space. You want space and uh, and, and that's been a, a, a massive uh, help and obviously you know the government stimulus has been amazing you know this home builder grant has been extraordinary. You know we've had sales like we've never had before. In fact. Uh, I suppose. Well, I like could we talk about these. Last year we built four and a half thousand houses. This year we're going to build six and a half thousand. Wow. So that's massive. Mind you, you know that's coming with its challenges. But uh, but answering your questions, there that's really the big thing: government stimulus, cheap money, and also people's if you like uh, have decided they they want to have a difference in, in the way they uh, they live, and they're going to need a house uh, that's going to accommodate working from home now. Is that going to survive? Who knows?
0: But well, that's, that, that's my question. Some of these measures are temporary. So government support, government stimulus, that, that's not a forever thing. No. Uh, a working from home, maybe, time will tell whether or not this has actually shifted people's mindsets and the way that they want to live their lives. You and I have talked uh, beforehand about, you know, reflection and thinking about what we want to do with our lives and whether people want to keep continuing to commute an hour each way five days a week, sometimes six other seven days a week. Mm. Um, it, it, it can be pretty crazy. Whether that's a, a, a long-term fundamental shift is another question, we don't know. Low interest rates, is that a, that's not permanent either. <laughs> you talked about 4,500 homes last year, 6,000 homes now. Do you think Australia still has a fundamental shortage in housing?
1: Well, again, it gets back to there's got to be, you know, wins and losses here. You know, as I say, part of this shift is to away from apartments. You know, if, I, if you take Melbourne, for example, a lot of our apartments are empty um, because people have decided they're going to find a house to, to live in. So you've got to have that shift happening first. Uh, so that's you're got, obviously seeing some yeah, of that. Oh, well, we see seen it. At, you know, our regional housing business in Victoria is, is just...
0: And where are some of your regional housing businesses? Well, all across Victoria, yeah, Ballarat, Shepparton, yeah. Bendigo, Orby, uh, woodong we Where are you building the most houses in in those areas at the moment? Oh well, Geelong. Well, I suppose you can't really call it Geelong <laughs> regional, but uh, we might be offending some people. Here well,
1: yeah, well, it's not. But I mean, Geelong is probably one of the fastest growing suburbs or cities in Australia uh, as we speak. But all of the regional towns are doing very well. You know, the Sheppartons, uh for instance, Gippsland is is booming. Uh, and I think right around Australia we're going to see um, a huge renaissance of smaller, smaller, capital, smaller regional cities. And I was talking to one of my colleagues recently, and he was saying that in in the US that's just that's just normal. Mm. Lots of yeah, you know. and uh, and I think for Australia, I think some of the you know if these towns get bigger, you know, like we tried to have the Albury-Wodonga or, uh, mm. you know, hub. If you like that, Whitlam tried to do many years ago, uh, and I think that could become a reality now, provided provided this notion of working from home can exist. Then I think people will opt to uh, maybe get themselves a potentially a better lifestyle. Whether they get sick of living in a small <laughs> town, who knows? But uh, there's no doubt that uh, everybody, when we research our uh, you know our uh, staff. They're all looking for flexibility, not necessarily working full time from home, but certainly having more flexibility.
0: And what does that mean when you when you talk to your staff? What, what do they want? What does, what does flexibility mean to them?
1: Well, it means that you know they they can be more flexible with when they work, right? You know? And obviously, that for us, you know, we're not uncomfortable with that because we quickly mobilised around about two thousand staff, uh, and and I've got to say, the productivity's been very good, mm. so we haven't lost anything by that. Um, and as somebody explained to me, if, if our staff are happier, you know, <laughs> they're going to work better. Your productivity is going to be better. So someone
0: had to explain that to you, Ross. <laughs>
1: that's right. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, it's, it's hard to, uh, work against that. Now the concerns, our concerns are more cultural, you know, in terms mm. of, for us, teamwork is very important and obviously creative people, you know, they need to be face to face, um, but interestingly, uh, one of the things we did, we actually spoke to uh, an architect, that, uh, a commercial architect, uh, and, and they're planning new offices as we speak. Mm. And, uh, and, then, and this was a, a lady, and she made a, a point that, you know, seems like should be pretty normal, which is where we start is we ask you, well, what is your business? Then we design mm. an office around that which, uh, you know, and and I'm not too sure whether that's the, the normal way people go about things. Mm. First of all, they have design an office and they put the people in there, <laughs> which is sort of counterproductive yeah. or can be counterproductive. Yeah, so anyway, I, I think this whole area, I, I think it's going to have legs though, Robert. I, I don't think it's going to go away, you know, but uh, equally I don't think everybody's going to be working from yeah. home.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm a... I'm a I'm a big picture person and so when, when, we, when you talk about that mm-hmm. and then you and I sit here and I'm, I'm staring outside into Melbourne CBD right now and you just look at all the cranes that are out there literally as we speak, mm-hmm. what the hell are these people doing? What are these people building? Well, I think they're finishing off things,
1: <laughs> but uh, because there's no doubt, there's been a rethink. There's no, I, I have no doubt about that. I, I think COVID, apart from you know the flexibility, you've had a lot of time to think about your own quality of life, mm. and there's no doubt that uh, spending two hours on a Motorway it's not great lifestyle. Yeah. Um, now, I know that's not the only thing, but also, you know, and probably I shouldn't say this in terms of, you know, women working, at, you know, it's been difficult where, where they've got a lot of responsibilities, so their ability to take their kids to school and come to work. Um, so I think as, as an employer, you know, we're looking at all those things, we're thinking, well, God, you know, yeah. Uh, Let's be flexible mm. that's really the, the big thing out of this is is the flexibility and ensuring that uh, you've got a happy workforce that uh, and, and looking at the if you like the
0: end result which is your productivity sure. rather than
1: hours worked or sure. when you start when you
0: finish and so when when you talk about regional areas um, doing really well and people moving out to regional areas etc why is it then prices here in Melbourne, inner city, the classic suburbs continue to uh, grow as strongly as they've ever grown, certainly for a number of years now because someone needs to be buying and someone's yeah. selling for that transaction to happen. Yeah. And if there are all these things going on at the outskirts, in whether it's in Ballarat or wherever it is, mm. who are these people that are buying? And you may not know the answers, but I'm curious as to your, your opinion of it. But who are these people that are buying now and paying significant premiums from 12 months ago? Maybe, the, maybe that house was not for sale 12 months ago. Well, are, are people capitalising on strong, on strong prices? Mm. Like, what's going on there? Yeah, well, remember, you know, nothing happened for about eight months
1: because everything was locked down. That's right. <laughs> so there's a big catch-up because, uh, you know, nothing was happening. Then, of course, you've got expats who want to come home. Know, and uh, they're going to buy. And I think that's going to be one of the interesting things out of this. I think Australia and New Zealand are going to be seen as safe places in the world. Because mm. this has been a hell of a scare, I think, for, every, for all of us. I mean, it's yeah. basically we've never experienced anything like this before. So I think Australia is going to be a place where people are going to want to be. And, and certainly we've had a lot of people, you know, leaving other parts of the world, coming home as part of it. Um, but obviously that's going to run its course, mm. you know, and, uh, you know, I know coming up the lift is that migration has been, or immigration has been, a, you know, an amazing force, particularly in Victoria, but right around Australia in terms of what's sustained. Because we population increase is, is what really feeds uh, you know, the whole housing market as well as obviously affordability of, uh, of the finance. Um, so, but if immigration doesn't happen... All too soon, I guess at some point in time, logic would tell you that, uh, you know, what's happened at the moment is obviously more demand than supply. Sure. Uh, uh, and also I think the other thing that has happened is that there's probably not as much, uh, so much on the, ha- uh, on the market as there would have been normally, mm-hmm. you know, but I think it will catch up and it's starting to catch up because everybody's saying, so well, well. I'll hook into this price thing. But the, the cost of money is, you know, I mean, we've never experienced. Do you think that's the biggest driver? I think it is, yeah. Because, look, at the end of the day, uh, it's, it's, what's, it's what's making it affordable. Mm. But eventually that's going to run out of steam because what it's also doing at the same time is driving land prices up, house prices, the cost of labor's going up, cost of materials. Is the
0: cost of constructing houses, Ross, going up? Yeah, it is, yeah. Oh, yeah, very much so. Yeah, and that's going to be a big challenge. And what is it? Is it material? Is it labour?
1: What What is it? Is it all of the above? All of the above, right? right? Labour and materials. It's all in short supply, uh, and that's going to be a challenge for a certain period of time. Because again, we've you know we've pushed you know this whole volume in a very short space of time. Uh, admittedly, one of the things the government's done mm. just uh, in the last day two days they've extended the time when you have to start these houses by a further 12 months so we've got now 18 months that's 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 been a great move because that's that's taken you know a bit of the pressure valve or mm. we'll let it off a bit and let it better of steam off because that that could have sent a lot of people to the wall because I you know, you, you mightn't be able to do it which means you know your your client was going to lose the grant and of course uh, that wasn't that wasn't going to be a pretty story.
0: Mm. And is your, are you limited by your your ability to be able to deliver on projects? Is that what? There's no doubt it's, you know, we, we're not
1: as a, it's taken longer to build, obviously, because, you know, the, the resources are, you know, more scarce. Uh, so it's going to take longer now. Where we would have built a house, say, in, I don't know, four months, might take five months. Um and and I guess we're we're not at the we're not really at the pointy end yet. I'd say this has got a it'll you know in the next. You reckon we've got
0: a run uh, room to run?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think. Well, in terms of uh, on site, sure. You know, because the all the sales we've made, you know, they're going to have to be built in the next twelve sure. to eighteen months.
0: Like the buildings outside. Yeah,
1: that's right. Exactly. So there's, there's going to be a lot of pressure on resources. Um, the biggest <laughs> beneficiaries of this are really going to be the tradies out there because mm. uh, maybe the land developers where they've been able to push their prices up as well.
0: Mm. I, I wonder then, I mean, you've, um, you may or may not have been seeing a lot of the, uh, the numbers coming out with inflation and long-term interest rates going up, et cetera. I think that that is all good and well until uh, – well, in order to sustain that, we need to see some sort of wage growth. Mm-hmm. And, and so with what you're saying, it sounds to me as though in that particular sector that you're telling me here right now that there is yeah, definitely pressure there. Definitely. Are you able to can, – can you not capitalise on, on this and just start flooding the market with product or well, that's not how it works?
1: No. Well, because uh, I think this is one of the really good things about new home industry in Australia – it's not all that speculative, which is actually good in, in a way because uh, it's not like in America where you go and build tracks and tracks of houses. Right. For instance, with us, you know, we're the largest builder in Australia, everything we build built is built to order. So you don't build anything unless until we've you've sold it. Until we've sold it, that's yeah. right. Yeah, so you, you don't ever get into that oversupply. But, um, but I guess, yeah. And the other thing that's starting to happen now is the investors coming back into the market. Mm. Um I think a lot of investors uh, might be concerned about the share market in either don't understand it or is it overpriced. Uh, uh, but a lot of – you know, and also the banks have uh, made it a bit easier for investors to borrow money, uh, which they curtailed before. So that's adding a bit more pressure to the
0: – And you're not seeing that as a problem when you come to settle properties, for example. Are you seeing anything that might suggest that there's – with? you know obviously job keeper finishing up and <laughs> and employment uh, issues that are going on yeah. are, are you seeing anything there that might cause you concern
1: uh, surprisingly no but i mean it's early we're only yeah. into april yeah <laughs> so there's a bit of time to play out yet but uh, no it's it's been amazing you know we we you know we look you know we haven't had you know any
0: untoward cancellation rates or um, no, this, I mean, what obviously, happens when people cancel? Sorry? H- how does the mechanics work when people cancel?
1: Well, we give them their money back,
0: and what, <laughs> their what, deposit. Right. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, no, look,
1: uh, but there's, there's very little of that happening at the moment, mm. mainly because uh, especially anybody that's on the Home Builder grant, I mean, they're not going to give away that no. $30,000
0: or whatever no. it is. And presumably they would have paid you a number of months ago. Yeah, but
1: mind you, normally, um, you know, they're not big payments. You know, we take $2,000 initially and then 5% of contract signing. But by the time you get to contract signing, everybody's committed. You've already bought a block of land or sure. et cetera. So
0: um, it's not such a big deal then. You know? I, I, I guess um, maybe where I was going with that was some of these people may have – just by sheer luck have already built some equity in their property? Is that, is that? Some of them would have.
1: The, you know, the people that got in early for, for sure because, you know, land prices have definitely gone up. Uh, house prices have definitely mm. gone up because uh, all of those things, are, you know, have been moving very quickly. So the ones that have got in really early at the beginning of, uh, if you like, COVID or just pre-COVID are doing very well. Thank you. Mm. Um And I guess if you're at the tail end of this, who knows. But I I can't see, unless we have uh, interest rates going through the roof quickly, which I don't see, um, or unemployment falling off a cliff, uh, which, again, I don't see. Uh, I don't know what's going to – I mean – there's no doubt that sooner or later <laughs> we're going to run out of people to sell to. Sure, but uh, but hopefully by that time we suspect that uh, the government will want to increase immigration again. Mm. You know, because that's still you're had-
0: talking more short term though, right? So yeah. the next six months maybe. There's no change in the next six
1: months. We don't think. In fact, uh, we're now past uh, the home builder grant, etc., and our sales last week were right up to where they've been before.
0: Wow. So, you know,
1: we haven't seen any difference
0: at all. It's I read a headline I think this morning or last night. Uh, I was just doing a bit of reading and it said NAB predicts uh, property prices to be up 10% by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And whenever I – I don't know what you think about that. Whenever I read things like that, I always feel like you need to take an opposite position in what the expert has to say because last year, and it happens time and time again, last year property prices were supposed to fall, you know, Twenty percent, or whatever it was, maybe they did, but uh, that I yeah. haven't seen the numbers. And then that the opposite happened. And here you've got experts again predicting, you know, we're going to be up double digits. I just wonder how often the predictions are, are, are right. Well, I think I, I think
1: that, I think that one is going to be right, uh, mainly because you know the the forces are there. Uh, where there is actually more demand mm. than our ability to supply. There are supply, supply constraints all over the place, especially in the new home market. Land's a constraint. Um, well, finance, well, finance isn't, but certainly land is, labour is, supply is, you know, and those prices are going up. Mm. So until somebody says enough is enough, and uh, I think that's likely to be when they can't afford to mm. buy uh, the consumer. Consumer, yes. Yeah,
0: mm. yeah. And how long in your, in your experience, whenever you've seen things like this happen, how long does it take to sort of play out and then for the risks to start emerging?
1: Well, you know, the, the, one, the, the one that we look at very closely is, is land sales because, you know, if land sales cool off, more than likely, that's the first. Most people buy the block of land before they buy a house. Um, so we look at that closely and, again, there's no signs of that coming off that I can see. Uh, and there's places like Queensland that have been quiet for a long time, mm-hmm. which are near, now are really very hot, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, New South Wales I think is constrained already, mainly because land prices are so high, but regional New South Wales I think is going to boom mm-hmm. because we're, you know, Newcastle, Places like that, where the prices are cheaper, I think that uh, they'll keep humming along. But there will it will get to a point where, whether it be interest rates, the actual prices of houses, they're going to bite into the people that can actually afford to buy them. Mm. And yeah, we'll probably have uh, less people looking for houses because you're going to get to a point where mm. we've satisfied a fair a fair mm. amount of the, of
0: the. And and if you've got you know. Uh, Labor as uh, going up so high. If their incomes are going up, then they've obviously got a bit more money to spend on on the house, for example, and then it's sort of the trickle down that happens from there on in.
1: Won't be won't be just in labor though. In our industry, it's also staff, etc. Because if products, you need well, you need more site managers, you need more draftees, mm. you need more estimators, etc. So mm. just generally, I think salaries will go up. In, in our industry and, and as I'd imagine there must be other interests. This is why I was saying I think we've got a, an economy where you've got winners and losers, you know, and uh, just depending on where that's at and how that plays out, uh, it'll be interesting to see because uh, there are wage pressures in, in, in our industry, uh, whether it be on site or in the office, to be quite honest.
0: And do you find your customers are spending money on the nicer fixtures and nicer fittings, the nicer appliances because of the grant that they're getting from gov- the government, for example. Is that sort of free money for these people or are they prudently, do you find they're managing it um, a bit better than maybe they could? The big impetus has been with 1st home
1: buyers, you know, and, and I think that was probably apro. one of your other questions, where are these buyers coming from? I think people that would normally have said, I'm going to rent, not all. Sure. A lot of them are saying, well, I might as well buy because it's cheaper to buy than to rent. But, again, that equation will change (laughs) because as you get more uh, places that haven't got anywhere, you know, they're not getting rentals, well, the rent's going to come down, I guess.
0: And and then as as things start to heat up, I guess if, you know, um, Labor's going up, wages are going up uh, and you do have genuine inflation starting to emerge, Mm. you're going to see – Interest rates, not only long term but also shorter term interest rates, sure. and to your comment before, if money, if mo- because money is cheap, which is driving prices, I mean, one of the things that um, uh, that I looked at the other week was Australia's household debt. And again, this is big, big picture stuff, mm-hmm. but household uh, debt to disposable income is sitting at around 180. percent Interestingly, though. Interest payments to disposable income, do you know where they are? They're no. back to where they were in
1: 1980. And that's what's driving it because, look, everybody works to disposable income. I mean, and that's that's the whole, you know, and, uh, you know, because interestingly, like, um, you know, one of the things that has happened also as interest rates have come down, house sizes have gone up mm. because basically people say, well, I want to buy the biggest house I can afford. Mm. And uh, an interest rate is a big factor in that, and there's no doubt that uh, that if uh, when if these prices get too hot, you know, at some point in time, the RBA will say, "Well, okay, we tell the banks you've got to rein in this." Not necessarily by putting rates up, mind you, because that could be
0: lending standards, just tapping lending the standards,
1: Bronx. you know, yep. yeah, you know, and just bring it back where it'll be harder to to actually uh, borrow the money.
0: Do you feel like uh, Aussie? Consumers and investors are very reactive and probably don't take a step back and look at the bigger picture. So w- when we had the investor limits from by APRA on the banks uh, a few years ago, now the response was almost binary. That is, we're investing, and now APRA said this, so now we're not investing, and we're we're running in the opposite direction. Mm. Because I, I certainly don't think that is the regulator's intention to bring all things to a halt. Nah. Um, do, do you think that's sort of the the general viewpoint of the Aussie? Well, look, I, I think again with you know with all of
1: us, whether you're Aussie or not, you know the fear of missing out is pretty strong.
0: And you, you think know. that's back now?
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, because people see that prices are going up so quickly. You know, I mean, you, and the media's got a you know big part to play in this, they, you know, because they love making headlines, etc., sure. Mr. <laughs> now, you know. so it's. Uh, uh, but look, it. But that again, that'll run its course for sure. You know, every time this has happened, and it's when prices just get too high, and uh, people say, well, yeah, well. For a start I can't get a loan <laughs> you know, mm. nobody will lend me the money or mm. but I, I think uh, and apart from that obviously it will be about the security of their employment etc and I guess that's to me the bigger or the you know the bigger part of the bigger picture is what is the Australian economy going to look like you know in the next three or four years because if you start having to look at the figures now unemployment's coming down mm. talk they are even talking about fours Yeah. <laughs> mm. uh, and if you get that sort of thing happening, well, then I think we are going to get wages growth. You know, the reason why I think we haven't had that is because really it was pretty flat before all this. Now, yeah, it's been flat for years. For years, that's right. Now, if this, if this causes, you know, a new renaissance in the, uh, in the Australian economy, because I guess now, you know, we all don't know where this vaccine's going to go, et cetera, but, you know, you'd think the sort of opening up the, to the world again. It's going to be important for Australia one way or another, you know, getting people back here. I mean, we you know, we've got, have, haven't got the students coming back. I mean, that's massive for our, our universities, et cetera. So there's a lot to play out, you know, that we're sort of doing well without a lot of those things at the moment, which is quite amazing, And really. so what
0: you're saying is if, if those other factors do come into play, hmm. that's going to be a big boost to where we already sit.
1: I would think so. Yeah, I mean okay. I, Unless I've got it dramatically wrong um, I, I try and keep it simple it's
0: all about the economy stupid <laughs> yeah <laughs> and largely it is. And know. so where do you think Ross we're going to be in three or four years time so we're, we're 2021 2023 2024 where, what what's, what do you see happening what's what's going on? Well as I say I think
1: if uh, I think out of this whole COVID thing I think Australia is going to be seen as a safe place to be either to invest to live all sorts of things, which like is the that. same
0: story. From
1: yeah, but I think more acute now than it's ever right. been. You know, it's, it's it's an island. We've proven that we could handle COVID. You know, because let's face it, a lot of the world's still struggling with this mm-hmm. thing. Um, it is a long way away from everything, but uh, but again, you know, we're very close to Asia, which is sure. uh, you know a huge part of the economy. It looks pretty rosy to I me. Mean, I can't really see what's uh, what's going to really derail the whole thing because I I think. You know, we're going to have people wanting to come to Australia. I've got no doubt about that. And we need, like, right at the moment, you know, if we want to, if we want to be able to accommodate what uh, the demand is out there, we need skilled labour more. You know, more than we need anything. I would think. Mm. Um, and uh, so, t- to me, it's about the economy. Mm. If interest rates go through the roof, I mean, that'd be a disaster. <laughs> I, I, you know, I think
0: everybody. But why would it be a disaster? Would would it, would, would interest rates not be would interest rates going up not be a reflection of the economy of itself?
1: Yeah, but the only problem and I think, Robert, well, again, I, I'm putting it in terms of uh, housing. Sure. Uh, the, the big problem now is that we've got very large loans and any small increase in interest rate has a huge impact, as it does the other way, as they've come Yeah, down. that's right. So the, so the challenge will be is if we have a whole lot of uh, stress, you know, and people have been able to pay their mortgages off... Uh, that, that'll have a big impact, and what disposable income, which I guess is the, you know is the thing that drives the the economy largely, isn't it? Mm. Uh, and most people will try and protect their house before anything else. So yeah, of course they spend it all on their mortgage. Yeah, <laughs> there's not much left over yeah. to spend on anything else. Yeah. Yeah. I know that's a simplistic view of the world, but
0: um, no, I think I think you're right. I think most people with the arrangements that the Australian banks have, mm. which is um, seizing. Property, mm. I think most people um, get it, like they just need to protect their home mm. and most people, if not all people, well, I should say most people, will uh, dial up and down discretionary mm. spending to safeguard their mm. largest asset. It's true. And, and the other thing too probably uh,
1: which is interesting, the question you asked before is that people have been talking about this crash in property for as long as you know, I'm 75 years old, and I think I've been hearing it for the last <laughs> 50 years. Um, but it's never really happened, you know. We've had, you know, we've had sort of pretty big hiccups, but in the main, you know, housing in Australia has been stable, mainly because of population increase, you know. And uh, and and I think, you know, depending on, I guess, where you sit, uh, you'd think a country like Australia has to have immigration if it's if it's going to keep its uh, you know, it's wealth creation intact.
0: And so for you in the property game, that that results into people needing to live somewhere as well.
1: Exactly. And, and the other point that I made to you is that, see, Australia is not a country where, uh, as as developers, um, for all sorts of reasons, speculate. You know, whether it be our business or high-rise, even the banks, you've got to have 80% sold before you, you get any money. But see,
0: that's not that's not the that's not the um, common belief or understanding. People are of the view that the property game is highly speculative. People are of the view that property development is, is highly speculative, but you're saying that's not the case. No. And can you just explain why that's not the case and why it is a conservative play? Well, again, because the banks here,
1: were, I think, you know, do a really good job. If you're borrowing from a bank – you know they want to see they want to see before they'll give you any money. You've got to have the sales. You know it doesn't matter whether you're developing land or you're developing a high rise. Uh, they, they they want to see sales and uh, and you get companies most of the builders in Australia uh, are what we call contract housing builders, which means they don't build a whole lot of spec homes. They only build to order, mm. and this is very different to any. Yeah, any other country, or well, maybe the states. You know, the states do have you know more speculative type arrangements because they've got much bigger economies and much bigger population. Whereas, I think uh, in Australia we've got sort of a self governing uh, uh, system whereby if there's no, if if people don't, you know, are not
0: uh, buying, well, we stop building. It's really interesting you say that. Uh, I spoke to Scott Keck. I think it was during. During COVID, so maybe back end of last year, and he was saying the same thing, we have a self-governing process mm. that means that if it's not sold, we don't, develop don't build. It. We don't build. And it, it, it's actually quite simple, but I, I suspect it would be somewhat more complex beneath that. But at the end of it all, no, if you're not selling, not you, really. you're not building.
1: No, absolutely. See, for instance, we look at, uh, in terms of the way we manage our business, we look at our pipeline. I mean, if it's, you know, getting bigger, well, <laughs> we know where it's going. If it's shrinking, well, you know, you, you, and the good thing about it is you've got time to adjust, you know, you, whereas if you're speculating, the stops are stops and you've got all that stuff on the ground, well, you've just got to mm. get rid of it somehow or another. Mm. Um, yeah, so I, I think I think we've got good controls and that's why I, I don't think you're, I don't really see the property, you know, the real property Bust thing here in Australia because I don't know unless everybody decides they're all going to buy three houses each and they don't need them anymore. But uh, yeah, and there's no doubt a lot of people uh, today are talking about uh, having a holiday house. uh, Mm. Probably they're going to work from Mm. (laughs) a bolt hole in the city. Yeah,
0: Uh, and what was really interesting during COVID, just to just I guess to um, uh, because I agree with your comment is there were so many properties up for sale in and around inner city. And people were of the view that, well, no one's going to no buy. But, but inevitably what happened was people bought those houses. People yes. bought those properties. And whether it was a bigger property or whether it was a, a property that was closer to the city or whatever the case may be, um, I'm not sure. But th- this, there appears to always be, um, a, th- th- to me, there seems to be not really a solution, but um, something always kind of come, comes in and backstops it. Yeah, if you yeah. sort of think about it that yeah. way. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, but I don't think we've ever had a huge oversupply. You know, there might be a temporary one, but I, I must admit, I, you know, I, I, and it's hard to see because of the way that we actually build new stuff, you know, whether it be – now, you know, one of the things obviously is that, uh, you know, when we're getting a lot of international investors, you know, in particular from Asia, buying stuff that was that was speculative. And Where were they buying, Ross? Mainly apartments. But, you know, also from us, you know, we were selling... And what were they buying from you? Houses. Whereabouts? Yeah. Um, well, mainly uh, in west of uh, Melbourne, you know, like uh, Point Cook, et cetera. Mm. Um, but that all stopped because, uh, you know, China decided that uh, money wasn't coming out anymore. But I'm sure that uh, at some point that'll that'll open up again as well.
0: Mm. Do you find in the... Because the way I... The way I, I think about it in in its most simplistic form, is if we're out in the west somewhere and we've got land that's being unlocked, that's being rezoned residential, to me, please explain to me why prices will go up if I've bought a uh, piece of land and I've uh, engaged Metricon to go and build the house. I then decide that I want to go and resell it. Why would someone pay me a premium for my house when there's a whole new estate being built out there? I've just never really understood the mechanics or the system as it relates to um, more... um, Price increases in land? Price increases in land, but probably price increases in products that that are not restricted. So, for example, if I... And, and I guess it is land because if I want to go and buy, you know, there's not much land in, um, in the inner east, for example. Mm. Uh, and so naturally what happens is people want to pay more and more and more and more mm. until it stops at the highest bidder. It's as simple as that because yep. there's no more land. Yep. Whereas if I'm heading further out, Greenfields, there's yeah. just, like to me there's unlimited land.
1: Oh, what well, am no, I missing? It's not unlimited. I mean, it is limited. Uh, but it, but remember, it's again, it's the cycle, is that all land developers sell ahead of actually construction. Um, and what happens then is that if they get in undue demand, well, i will increase their prices because they can't. You know, it's, it's, it's no more complicated than mm. that up until the point in time and because, uh, you know, we do a bit of land development in this way, and I keep reminding our, my colleagues that uh, we've got to sell houses onto these blocks of <laughs> land. So <laughs> take it easy on them. But, look, that's what happens because uh, they can, you know, and this is where the governments have got to be very careful about how they do the stimulus because if it all ends up with the land developers – you know, rather than in the pockets of the consumer. In other words, if you've had to, you know, buy given these things, it pushes the price of land up, pushes the price of the house up. Well, it's nearly, it can be a bit counterproductive. But-
0: Presumably, though, if you've got an existing dwelling and you've got new land being sold or unlocked over here, mm-hmm. that this, the price here can't, or well, the price here they, they can only sort of – Oh, yeah, absolutely. They need to remain no. somewhat in parity, right? Like- no, of
1: course. Oh, yeah. No, you, you wouldn't be able to sell an existing block of land, for instance, at, at a bigger price than, you know, the ones that are selling at the moment. Obviously, the, the consumer's always going to buy the cheaper block. But, or the newer house But, the, the, but the thing is, if you bought a block here and the, the land developer is pushing his prices like this, well, you're going to – you know, you could – this could take only a few months. Mm. You might have made twenty or $30,000. Well, you will. You'll, you'll just sell it for whatever that price is over there.
0: You mentioned land development. How much land development do, does Metricon or do you guys do? Well, yeah, we, we, well you know, we're,
1: we're in partnerships, you know, for instance, down at uh, Worralilly in, in Geelong, and we've got our own uh, – we've got a joint venture at Beveridge, mm. um, Mandalay. Uh, they're, they're our two major developments, but we also do some infill lots, townhouses, et cetera, which are projects we normally do as joint ventures again. But we we do all of those things outside of the our housing business. Our housing right. business is strictly houses to order. That's it. Keep it nice and simple. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what you spend most of your time on? That's it. Yeah. yeah. That's our core business.
0: And, and And so looking ahead now, you said before that you think that this will run – It's got a a bit of time to run. I think so. And you don't disagree with NAB's comments around 10% growth in in pricing. And obviously that's an average because some areas won't grow in price and others will grow maybe 15%, 20% like like Byron Bay has and I'm sure a lot of coastal areas have. Hmm. um, Regional, um, you know, Scott Scott Keck is of the view that the whole regional play I mean, that was always underway. I don't think anyone disagrees with that, but... It's been turbocharged, though. Yeah, it has been turbocharged. We were heading in that direction Mm. and it's been fast track, absolutely. Mm. Scott's view is that people don't realise... People will eventually realise that's not where they want to be, that their kids' friends aren't around the corner anymore and they've got to commute even more and it's not what it was. And... He's of the view and he, what he's saying is he's seeing already is people going and buying in Castle Main, realising that, shit, this is not where we want to be Aye.
1: and then and then coming back. But as we know with any pendulum, you know, it goes here and it goes over there and then eventually it settles somewhere in the middle. Sure. That's what will happen again. Yeah, and so mm. look. Lo- but, but Sorry, but I think what it will change forever is that it, I think certainly regional Australia get a lot of impetus out of this because, yes, some people will do that, but some won't. Mm. Whereas before it was one-way exit, all the young people out of the town, etc., which wasn't good. And I don't think it's good for Australia either to just keep blowing up Melbourne, Sydney, mm. you know, if we had, you know, a bit more
0: popular. But that's what was going on. It's high density. Look outside. That's, that. It doesn't have to be that way. No, it doesn't have to be that way, but looking at cities all around the world, Mm. that's what happens.
1: But but again, you know, you've made a big assumption there, which is one of the main reasons is if that's the only place I can get a job Mm. to feed my family and educate them, well, that's what I'm going to have to do. But if if there is an option, you know, and, and, uh, you know, let's not understate this, Mm. you know, if the option is, you know, we're talking about it now, you know, largely if you can work from home, it means we can get people from all over the world sure they don't have to be sitting sure that's 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 now is that going to be? You know, obviously, it's not going to be the panacea for everything. But there's no doubt. There's, you know, for all of us, it's woken us up that you can do this. Mm. You know, it's not impossible. And the big enabler is technology. You know, the technology we've got now with you know, broadband, blah, up, blah, blah, and high speed internet, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, you know, it's making all that very, very possible. Mm.
0: And- I, 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 don't, I don't disagree with you. I, I, I think, I think landlords and uh, in-city need to now provide an even bigger incentive to make, uh, whether it's tenants at, to, to occupy floor space or whatever the case may be, it needs to be even more compelling now to have to make that extra 60-minute commute in the morning and 60-minute 60 com- 60 commute on, on the way back. T- talking to a, a number of people who are saying, who are living in regional areas, mm. they're saying we're seeing a huge influx of people coming in. And what they're feeling is that the community that we had is no longer and it's almost being destroyed. And what they're finding now is they're now selling up and moving even further out. So this concept that you talk about, this whole regional um, boom or uh, these cities outside of Melbourne Melbourne CBD, it it appears as though that's naturally happening. But But I think we need, yes, technology helps with, with work and, and so on and so forth. But also, the infrastructure needs to be there for accessibility, mm-hmm. to be able to um, do other things beyond just work and sleep in your in, in sure. new home. So, there's so much to do, whether it's to do with town planning or whoever it is that, that manages these things to make these places livable and enjoyable, not just but for the weekend. Can, but you can't make them livable unless you've got
1: population. You know, Correct to to afford it, I think now because uh, you know because as I said, Robert, at one stage we tried to do it artificially with the Aubrey Wodonga Development Corporation, etc., mm. etc. Cetera, et cetera. But the thing is, people didn't want to go there. <laughs> but now the difference is that if I can go there to live, but I can work somewhere else. Well, that, again, you know the employment is the big one because obviously most people have to go to work. Now the question is. What you know? What is the nature of employment? Can I work remotely? Because uh, reading a lot of articles on this, I mean, remote working is not new either, no. you know, but COVID, I think, and technology as an enabler has exemplified or amplified that it, it actually can be done. What we don't know is what is the impact on us as an organisation? Sure. Culturally. Sure. And you know, how do we deal with all that?
0: Yeah. Which we're all reckoning. you know, we're all going to come and that's up. And that's your pendulum as well, that your yes. organisation's culture is going to swing from one and it'll, it'll find its – Because, you know, a
1: lot of people are saying that uh, the employer of choice is going to be the, the employer who's a lot more flexible mm. than the other one. Mm.
0: Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't disagree with that. Your, your comment before about the whole working from home – And with what you're doing in your game, are you seeing people design houses differently than what they may have? Oh, there's no doubt.
1: I mean, because if you've got to work from home, obviously the working environment there is critical. So, you know, it can't be the kitchen table, you know. it's (laughs) it's, Well, unless you've got a very nice kitchen table. But, uh, you know, the whole ergonomics, um, I suspect that most people want a room with good light access to fresh air outside, Mm. et cetera, et cetera. So space is going to be – the right space is going to be at a premium. Mm. Uh, And we're currently – Redesigning their houses to you know where the the home office, if you like, but because it's not it's not necessarily just for one person. No, it could be two. Yeah, and, and if the kids are going to spend more time with there, yeah. it, uh, yeah. it's a whole different light, different yeah. world. Now again, it's not going to be totally like that, but there's going to be a, a much bigger element of that. I've got no doubt because um, I mean I, I you know I can only talk that uh, you know in terms of at least fifty percent of people. I've loved it. <laughs> mm. the,
0: the, the, the humble study is making a comeback to, to actually become a real study. A real study, you know, but again, you, but again,
1: you need good ergonomic uh, desks, et cetera. You need a very good
0: internet, uh, etc. Sure, mm. sure. And if you, you talk about land and property size getting bigger before. It's, it's interesting to sort of reflect on, uh, you know, you drive down um, – The beach, and you've got you know little old shacks on huge blocks of land, Mm. which that used to be the norm. That used to be a couple of bedrooms, and you know properties weren't really that big decades ago. Mm. um, In the '60s, for example, '50s and '60s, and properties have, and I'm sure you've seen this. I'm I'm Mm -hmm. curious to see where you think it's going to go. Is that they've gotten a lot bigger than what they were, and you see new new blocks of land now pushing. Right up to the edge of the boundaries, trying to get as much property on the land as as we can. Yeah. And now this whole concept of working from home, and well, now I need my own separate space. It needs to be here. It needs to be there. It needs to be this this size and and whatnot. And yet again, we, we're we're going even even bigger again. Yes. Um, is that and. and and naturally occupying more and more and more land space. I mean, in in and around sort of our area, councils have put restrictions on how much footprint can be on Hmm. a block of land. As there is at most. Yeah, Yeah. And, and so... How do you then manage that with people wanting bigger and bigger homes, councils pushing – because people are going this way, councils are pushing the other way. At the end of the day, the council makes the rules. They they do, yes. So (laughs)
1: so we've got to abide by the
0: rules. Uh, But
1: look, yeah, look, but uh, mind you, Robert, I think that's been time. Look, my experience has been people want the biggest house they can afford, you know, and they'll actually Mm. sacrifice – uh, a block of land, you know, they'll buy a cheaper block of land to put a bigger house on. It. And a cheaper block of land means a smaller block a of smaller land? A smaller block of land, you know, you know. For instance, the, the, the um, if you like, the sweet spot in, well, pretty well all of Australia is a 12.5 metre lot. It used to be a no, 15 metre lot, frontage. It's sure. 600 square metres or whatever. And now it's, you know, maybe 400, mm. getting smaller, 350, mm. 250. Um, but, but uh, look, human beings... Have always loved spaces, and will always love space. It's it's a luxury, you know, and that's the reality of it. Nobody wants to be shoehorned into a, a little box, you know. And I think with COVID, where people have had to, you know, work in very confined areas, mm. I think it's it's you know it's brought at it home. Just it's okay if you can just if just sleep, mm. but if you've got to work there as well,
0: <laughs> it's a different story. It's a, it's a and, different and so, are story. you seeing people when when designing? you know, their homes and whatnot, um, you know, outdoor space has been a big one. Talking to a lot of people who were living in apartments during COVID, it was really tough, right? Like you you can't get out and get some real fresh air. Mm. Uh, and having the luxury of an outdoor backyard, you know, it's classic, you know, the Aussie backyard. front Absolutely. And, you know, 100%. Are people still wanting this stuff? yeah. Oh. Or- even, even more, more
1: so, to go, even right. more so. See, working from home, look, and we've always tried to integrate, if you like, the outdoors with the indoors. Mm. I mean, because that's how Australians like to live anyway. Uh, but, I, but I think now uh, if you're going to work from home and pretty well you're living there all the time, it's even more important that that is really well designed so that the rooms that you use a lot, it used to be just the kitchen mm. family room area, now it's going to be the study as well. They have to have good air and, and the ability to have a small garden out there, if you like, mm. uh, and breathe properly, mm. which, look, I, I think is actually quite exciting. It's, uh, you know, to me, I don't think it should be anything we should be worried about because, look, one of the beautiful parts about living in Australia is to be able to live in a house, you know. Uh, I know that apartment is, a, is an in thing, but let's face it, uh, one of the, you know, people that actually come to Australia – Yeah, I know. As a migrant, you know, being able to live on a big block of land Mm, with nice mm, grass and all mm. that—only the rich people could afford to do
0: that. Mm. And even a lot of migration from uh, Asia, having lived in almost shoebox apartments, Mm. coming here and having a piece Mm. of dirt to to put your feet on—is
1: you know. So hopefully, we never lose that. But uh, who knows?
0: Time will tell. Time will tell. Ross, I really appreciate your time. Um, It's good chatting to you. Thank you again. My pleasure, Robert.